Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to season two of the Amplify Prosperity podcast. This is going to be our summer session. Got a lot of great guests lined up for you, so you're not going to want to miss it. You're not. My name is Harrison Painter. I'm the host of the Amplify Prosperity podcast and the founder of Amplify Prosperity Group and Amplify EQ. This season, we're really going to be focused on being a light in all of the darkness that's around us. At the time I'm recording this, it's June 14th. I've got the tropical shirt on because it's like a thousand degrees outside. So instead of complaining about it, I'm celebrating it and embracing it right now. But I don't want to marginalize anything that's happening right now. I get it. The stock market feels like it's in a free fall. The crypto market is crashing. We have inflation that's running out of control. We've got political division. We've got supply chain issues. We've got gas prices that are through the roof. We have a drought. Lake Mead is going dry in the Southwest. We have a war going on overseas that's causing all kinds of challenges for the entire planet right now. We have a Fed that feels like they're completely off the rails. It does feel like the perfect storm of darkness. And I fully understand if you are feeling stress, anxiety, if you see your bank accounts being drained, maybe you're living on credit right now. So there's all these things going on in the world that is really, really challenging. But here's what I want you to focus on during this summer session. You can't do anything about any of those things. You might go online and complain or, or fall in line with kind of political talking points or whatever that is. But at the end of the day, understand that changes nothing. It changes nothing. If anything, it's only negative impact on you, your blood pressure, your stress, your anxiety, all those things. We're going to focus on what you can control. And that is how you respond to all of these external forces. So important. So if you find value in this podcast, Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, get in the conversation, share this. Let's get it in the hands of as many people as possible so we can be that light in the darkness. Okay, so we're going to have a few guests on for the summer session really focused on sales. I find it invaluable in up markets, definitely invaluable in down markets that you increase your sales skills. I see way too many salespeople out there that are they're just terrible, terrible, and you don't have to be. And look, you might be saying right now, I'm not a salesperson. I'm here to say, yes, you are. I don't care if you own a small mom and pop business. I don't care if you are a middle manager. I don't care if you're an employee on a sales team. I don't care if you're CEO. You're all in sales. Right? Maybe you're selling a transactional product. Maybe you're selling a product you have to build stronger relationships in order to get the bigger deals. Maybe you're a manager that really needs to understand and sell a mission, a vision to your employees. Maybe you're on a sales team and you need to lead up and improve your position. You need to make yourself more valuable as the market gets more challenging. You want to secure your job. You want to generate more revenue for yourself. And you want to put yourself in a position to win. That's exactly what this podcast is all about. Understand, prosperity is not just about money. Prosperity is about, yes, you want to increase your wealth. Of course you do. That buys you freedom. But you want to get healthier. You want to feel physically fit. You want to work on your mental health. You want to increase your emotional intelligence. Understand, 80% of all your success comes from your emotional intelligence. 
how you respond to things, how you manage your emotions, how your self-awareness works around you, how to persevere when times are challenging. That's what it's all about. So we're going to have a couple of guests really focus on sales. The first one today is John Livesey. He is a speaker and author of this book right here, The Sale is in the Tale. I will tell you, this book is incredible. It's an easy read. It's not super long. It's written written in a fable type narrative, uh, super easy to understand. And I'm telling you, there are all kinds of wisdom nuggets inside of this thing that will help you during these dark times that are ahead of us. And... Look, don't take my word for it. Let's get the expert on here. Let's uh, let's go. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So here, here's the very first question I want to ask you right out the gate. So I've already gave you a quick introduction. This is the book, and we're going to be talking a lot about that. But I want to talk about something that that just right out the gate, because salespeople in general are going to be talking a lot about sales, get a lot of negative press, right? You Maybe you think about the used car salesman. Maybe you think about the, uh, I'm trying to sell you your extended warranty, all those different things, right? But every single human being on the planet is a salesperson in some way, shape, or form. So can you talk a little bit about why do salesmen get such a bad rap and should they? Well, Harrison, I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people don't go into sales because of that very negative connotation. Almost like lawyers have a negative connotation as well. And I think it's partly due to the fact that back in the day, salespeople were known for being manipulative and pushy and nobody wants to be pushed into making any decision before they're ready. Today, buyers are much more sophisticated and they don't let themselves get manipulated like that. All the games in the used car dealership, let me go ask my boss and back and forth for three hours on a price. So the new way of selling is to tell stories that pull people in. And when you become a storyteller instead of a salesperson, every experience is completely different than the old school format. See, I, I like that because I tell a lot of people like they're going to go into real estate or, or they're scared of getting lost in this sea of <laughs> agents or whatever attorneys, whatever business they're in. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you tell stories like nobody can be you, like you have no competition hmm. when you are yourself. It's when we try to be other people or we try to fit into these systems that, that aren't a fit for us. Right. Well, I love that you said drown. I say consider it drowning in a sea of sameness. I'm a lawyer. I'm a real estate agent. I'm a financial advisor. I'm a coach. I'm a speaker, whatever it is you say you do. If you're not telling a story that makes you unique and memorable, then you are drowning in a sea of sameness and people go, well, you're all the same. I want the cheapest price which is a no win for anybody selling anything. Now, I live with social anxiety disorder. It's a odd thing to have given my career path, but <laughs> I've worked really hard to overcome it and do the things that I do. Now, in our current culture, in our current society, especially given the last couple of years, anxiety is at such a high level. Yes. Right? I deal with emotional intelligence. One of our instruments is used in some high schools. We can see numbers just going off the charts when it comes to anxiety with, with everybody. It doesn't matter how old you are, right? We're all impacted by this. Right. You make a great point in this book, and, and we're going to talk a lot about this book. The sale is in the tail right here, and I highly recommend this book, and I don't do that very often. The 555 method. Yes. And I can tell you it's something that I've used in the past, not realizing it, like you uh -huh. define it for people. Yeah. 
but it's part of what I use to deal with my anxiety. So do you want to explain a bit about that and why it is so powerful for people? Sure. Well, we all are going to get frustrated, disappointed, and possibly even rejected during our career and our life. It's just part of life. We have the choice to on how we react about that. So for example, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, for me, that's no big deal. I've seen other people go ballistic. They take it personally. My pr premise on all this is to ask yourself, will this matter in five minutes? It's up to me. No, I forgot. I keep driving. Well, if something else happens that you get really frustrated about, like, will this matter in five hours? How about five days from now? Especially when you get a no in a sales situation. So if you use that method and think of yourself like a movie director and you can zoom out five minutes from now, five hours from now, five days from now. Recently, I was taking a cab from the airport in Atlanta to the hotel and it got a flat tire and it was the middle of the night and you know I had to get an Uber and my phone was dying and I thought, five, five, five this. No. <laughs> five, you know, five hours from now, you'll be in the hotel taking a hot shower, right? This will all be over. Don't get so stressed out. Now, if something really horrible happens like a, you know, loss of a job or my dad died several years ago and I was really sad. I wish I had this tool at that time because if I had been able to tell my younger self, you're really sad right now, but I promise you five, 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 this again. So five weeks from now, five months from now, five years from now, you will still miss him, but you will not be this sad. Yeah, agree. I mean, look, I it, you don't think of a sales book as, as something that helps you with anxiety or grief, but mm -hmm. in this case, these tools do work because you just alluded to another tool that I was taught to use that I haven't seen in a book or referenced very often, and that's your the star or the director of your own movie. And yes. and it's funny, I heard you speak a couple of weeks ago, and when you said that. It clicked inside of me. Number one, I do that. It's one of the tools that I use. But number two, I thought about, I take it to another level, mm. but then you actually addressed it in this book <laughs> where not only am I the star in my movie, but I have to understand other people are starring in theirs. Yes. Right. And I might be in a comedy. I might be in a feel good movie. Maybe they're in a drama. Maybe they're in a horse story, whatever that is. And, and when you start looking at life that way and these social interactions, you start getting more empathy for people. Yes. Right? So when you were talking earlier about emotional intelligence, it's our soft skills that make us strong. So empathy is certainly one of them. Listening is the second one. And the third one that's the most underdeveloped in most people is storytelling. And yes. when you tell a story, you don't want to be the hero of the story. You want the client that you've helped to be the hero so that other people see themselves in that story. So when you combine empathy, listening, and storytelling, you have that magical emotional connection. And that's what we all want because people buy emotionally and then back it up with logic. Yes. And I have to share this because I will say this is, man, I, I, I don't even know if I, we have to give this out. I, know, I want them to buy the book. Sure. But I have to give this quote, even though I think this is the biggest nugget in the book. Oh, great. The person we talk to the most is ourselves. Yes. I, and all honestly, that stuff. I, yes, right. Everything I do, I've never even, I've never put that together. And I know most people don't either. Right. And so are we playing a horror movie of worrying about what the future is going to be? Or are we saying to ourselves, 
what if the universe is conspiring to make everything work out for me and that things always work out for me and that my life is unfolding perfectly all the time, no matter what? Those kinds of self-talk, as opposed to the fear-based self-talk, will change your life and your career because then you start looking for support for those things. For example, um, our mutual friend, Ken Sky helped me get my 35 millimeter camera set up yesterday, just in time for this interview. Everything's always working out for me in the perfect time. So there's an example of that happening. And so you have to acknowledge those moments and not take them for granted. Yeah, the, the, the talking to yourself, the storytelling, right? Piecing all of that together. How many times are we feeling anxiety? We're getting ready to walk into a room. Maybe it's that boardroom, that sales meeting, that mm. maybe it's your 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 spouse and, and you've got to right. pitch a new car or something that you want, right? right. And what are, you, what are you telling yourself when you're walking the room? You are telling yourself a story. This is going to go really bad. Yeah. Most of the time, right? We're, we're, we're not talking about how it could go good. The mind is usually going to the default of negative. But, but another tool that I've been able to use that, that I love sharing with people is to understand energy is neither created or destroyed. It, that doesn't happen. We just shift energy, positive, negative, however we push it out there. And the minute that you push it out there, you do change the world, even if it's a micro change, it is changing the world. Mm -hmm. So when you make a statement that completely hits me, like we talk to ourselves more than anybody else, how much of that energy is negative? How much of it, which is draining, right. how much of it is positive, which is inspiring and motivating. And I'm going to ask you right now, since that is the case, maybe three tips or, or two, yeah. whatever your top few tips are to get out of that negative energy and start really focusing on telling yourself mm -hmm. the positive stories. Well, if we zoom out for a minute, the first tip is to realize that money is energy in action and that people are buying your energy. As a sales keynote speaker, I often have to present myself against one or two other speakers that they've narrowed it down to. And I remember recently getting an email from my agent saying, oh, congratulations, they picked you, they liked your energy. Rarely is it that obvious or stated that clearly. And I talked to the client later and they said, yes, you made us feel so good on the interview call. We figured you could make the hundreds of people that were gonna be in the audience feel the same way. So when you remember that you're selling your energy and that people are buying emotionally, it helps you really monitor what I'm doing. And letting go of perfectionism is the big tip here. Because if you think you have to be perfect in all your positive thoughts 24 seven, you'll drive yourself crazy. No one's perfect. Instead, I've created a word called a progressionist. We're wired to celebrate progress. For example, if you're climbing up Mount Everest and you're halfway up, you look down, you can say, look how far I've come or look up and go, Oh, look how far I have to go. Same thing with your sales goals. So we have to celebrate, look how far I've come in my career, my as an entrepreneur, whatever it is you're doing. And, you know, that's why Fitbit works. Uh, video games, you know, you can made it to another level. So when you realize our brain is wired to celebrate progress, and I do this with my team, we open every weekly call celebrating our progress. So we set the yeah. tone for the meeting. So say that word again. A progressionist is a someone who celebrates their progress because it's not enough just to tell yourself don't be a perfectionist you need to replace it with something oh i'm a progressionist 
Yeah, if we wait for that perfection, it never comes, does it? No, it's always the next thing. And oh, that could have been better. We start nitpicking something, and you know, you're never you're never celebrating the accomplishments or the progress. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I got started in all of this, the first videos I did. Oh, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough. I people are going to make fun of me. Oh. Right. And that was all the self talk. Now, the way I got out of it is I'm very stubborn. And when I want to do something, I'm going to find a way. Mm -hmm. So I went in the basement literally and I just put the camera on me and I talked into it for probably a good month. Wow. Until I could at least stand the sound of my own voice and my own face and, and everything in the camera. And then you realize that, dude, this is how people see me every day. So it's not weird. Right. Uh, but it took that to get comfortable. I had to tell myself more stories. Mm. Uh, what, what was the Saturday night live guy? I'm good enough. I'm yes. smart enough. Um, and we, we make fun of that. And, and, but, but it's true. Those affirmations really do help. Well, the other tip I have is overcoming what I call the three faces of fear around this, especially when we're trying something new, like myself, you know, launching the podcast, all our self-talk of who am I to do this? Is this? So the first fear I had was the fear of rejection. What if nobody wants to be on my show? And then I realized when we never reject ourselves when we get a no, you know, someone says, I don't want to buy from you. I don't want to be on your show, whatever it is. I don't want to have you on the show. Don't reject yourself. Don't say, oh, I'm worthless. Just say, oh, no, now doesn't mean no forever. Then the second fear is the fear of failure. And our mutual friend, Jay Samet, told me on when I had him on, he said, failure is just feedback. You keep going till you get a zombie idea so great it won't die. Yeah. And then the third fear is the fear of the unknown. And for me, this was almost the stopgap for Harrison. I just went, how do I get a right mic? And how do I have this edited? And it was overwhelming. And I think the solution is don't go it alone. The fear of the unknown, don't go it alone. I have a company that produces the podcast for me. So don't reject yourself. Failure's just feedback and don't go it alone. When you have that in your toolbox, almost any fear that comes along can be suppressed by one of those three things. Yeah, so, okay. So I love talking with people about turning pain into a superpower. Mm. And there's no, there's very few greater pains in business than somebody just getting into sales, mm. right? No, 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 no. The churn is, is going. So all this negativity is coming into you, especially when you're brand new and you're, you're trying to figure all this stuff out. So when you were getting started in sales and, mm -hmm. and you were going through those trenches, what pulled you out? Was it a mentor? Was it a book? Mm. Was it, was it you? Was it a mixture? How did you overcome that? Well, the first aha for me was a book I read years ago called The Four Agreements. And one of the four agreements is don't take anything personally. And I thought, oh, what if I don't take rejection personally? And because I used to have this internal talk, oh, I bet another salesperson could have gotten them to say yes. Or maybe they're right. Maybe what I'm selling isn't good. And I thought, whoa, whoa I got to stop doing that. And that awareness that I mentioned before, when you get a no, it doesn't mean no forever. That also freed me up from being so anxious about getting one. Yeah, the no. Everybody thinks no is forever and it's not. The one thing, you know, something I learned this morning that that I learn something every day. I really try to keep my mind open. I never call myself an expert in anything because I truly believe the minute that I were ever to label myself an expert, I would be defeating mm -hmm. what I'm trying to accomplish, right? Okay. 
but it was this it when we chase things we never catch them hmm. ever if we're chasing money that, that, that whenever you've chased money in the past you never caught it right when you're when you're desperate for it, you need it so bad right for anybody that's a recovering addict in any way you chased a high and and maybe you caught it briefly but you're you're constantly you never get there i've worked with a lot of successful people and some of those people have were miserable they had every resource every privilege mm -hmm. everything you could ever imagine at their fingertips but they still didn't catch what they were really chasing salespeople we see that they're i got to make quota and the more that you stress about that, the more that you tell yourself these stories of desperation and survival, the less you're apt to meet that goal, right? So I think your 555 is really what pushes people out to say, look, stop chasing things. Let them come to you and you let them come to you by being your authentic self. And the only way you can tell these stories, at least in my opinion, is through authenticity. Would you agree with that? I do. In fact, if you compare dating, if you're trying to chase someone to get them to like you and want to go out with you over and over again, that comes off as desperate. The same thing is true in the business world. You know, we know what being stuck at the friend zone is in dating, but I say we can also get stuck at the friend zone at work, which is when someone says they're interested, send me some information, and then it's crickets. And if you've sold anything, you've been there. And I thought, well, how do we get out of this friend zone at work where I thought they were going to buy? They said they were interested. And now I'm not, they're not doing anything. I even told my boss they were going to buy. You need to move up and start telling stories to intrigue them. Just because someone's interested doesn't mean they're going to go out with you or buy from you. So in the sailors in the tale, we talk about going from just stuck at the friend zone at work to getting someone intrigued. So you need to start Give them something that intrigues them, and then you can get up to this level where you're irresistible. In dating, we know what that is when you're take, texting somebody nonstop and they're texting you, but we also have clients that think we're irresistible. But the key here, Harrison, is that like any relationship, we can't take it for granted. So we need to make sure that those clients that already love us and are buying from us, they could send us referrals, are not taken for granted. But the key to getting out of the friend zone at work is just tell a story or paint a picture that intrigues someone to want to know more or keep moving. Keep moving. Yes. That leads me to this question because everything in your book leads you to being in the room, the tools you need to tell the story and, and everything to close the sale. But there's one fear that I want to talk to you about because I, I see this more and more in our society. Hmm the fear of asking people for money, to even talk about money, right? We were taught, the previous generation you know, taught us, you, you don't share how much you make, you don't share how much you have, uh, maybe you go buy the car to impress your neighbor, but, but we don't talk about money. And I think that has created this fear in this next batch of sales folks mm. where they're so scared. Look, I, I have a lot of friends that are phenomenal at telling stories, they're phenomenal at building relationships, but they cannot ask these people for a dollar, especially once they become friends. Mm. How can you overcome that fear? Well, the good news is I have a secret magic question I'm going to share with everyone. When you've told what I call a case story instead of a case study, and it tugs at the heartstrings and makes people want to open their purse strings, and I'm happy to give an example of it, 
the question you ask is, does that sound like the kind of journey you'd like to go on? It's an invitation. It's not pushy. You're not literally asking for money, but if you've told a good enough story that people see themselves in and then ask that question, it's a new tool in your toolbox to encourage someone to say yes. Yes, yes. I always say, if you can't sell, there's two reasons. You don't believe in yourself. You don't believe in the product. Exactly. Right. And if you're working on yourself and you're still not selling, maybe you've got the wrong product or you don't believe in, or you need to find mm -hmm. what that is and get there. Now I'm a, been a professional marketer by trade and I fully understand there's a lot of difference between marketing and sales when it comes to disciplines. Mm -hmm. I've had a great career in marketing, but I admit I have dropped the ball a bit in my sales. I've had great sales years. Mm. But I've always lacked consistency mm -hmm. with my sales, right? What advice can you give people to create that discipline? Because mm. it's not, you don't just wake up and all of a sudden tell yourself you're this great salesperson or, or, or even if you are a great orator, you're still going to go through yes. the cycles of, of ups and downs. So what do you do when you're feeling down when you're, you're, you're just, you're, it's just dark for a period of time. Well, there's two questions there. The first is how can we have more consistent sales? And the second is when we're not, how do we not beat ourselves up? So the first question is break your time into three parts. There's the attract part. How do I get people to even know I'm around? I'm not invisible. Then there's the convert part where you have the sales conversations and tell stories, hopefully. And then there's the, the delivery part where in my case, I'm delivering keynote speeches to sales teams of tech and healthcare. If I just focus on the speech and I'm not focused on how's my SEO doing? How are, am I being on podcasts that people can hear me on to attract people to know about me so that I can have those conversations and be in the final two or three speakers they're considering, then I will eventually not get as many speeches as I could. Does that make sense? So break your time frame into, I need to spend a third of my time on attracting people, a third of my time on having sales conversion conversations, and a third of my time delivering what I promised I could deliver. I like that. It makes complete sense. It's sometimes it's the most simple common sense solutions that are staring you in the face that we don't see because we overcomplicate. I'm so busy so doing all these things that I've got clients. And then when those jobs end, I don't have any potential sales to convert even right. because I haven't. So you need to make sure you're dividing your time or having someone else spend time to attract things for you. Um, and then the second part of your question was, it's a self-esteem roller coaster for most salespeople. My numbers are up. I feel good. My numbers are bad. I feel bad. You need to zoom out and realize that who you are is bigger than any one month or sale. So that when you're off that self-esteem roller coaster and you realize your identity is not tied to a number or a job description or a job title, then that frees you to get off that self-esteem roller coaster. So that if you find yourself in what's known in this, startup world is the trough of despair. You don't stay down there long. You have the tools to get back up fast. And that's the secret. That's why the 555 method is so useful. We're only going to get knocked down. The secret is how fast do we get back up? Absolutely. And learn from it. You know, I quickly learned that if I'm having a really bad month, what were my behaviors six months, mm. six months prior? Mm -hmm. Was I not putting in the work? Was I not making the calls? Was I not doing the emails? And most of the time, guess who's to blame? <laughs> not the market. It's not the product. It's not mm -hmm. that people aren't, they've changed. It's I dropped the ball somewhere. 
Right. And now I need to take the time to reflect on that. It's your energy too. So it's, it's not just the activities, yeah. it's the activities plus your mindset. So if you are doom and gloom energy wise, that comes through on the lack of activity or the activity you do do, it's still sort of pushed down because of your, oh, this is never going to work. I'll send it out anyway. That doesn't work. You got to have the mindset energy in the right place too. Now, in this book, I, I will say that the, the, the one thing I would like to talk about is, is, of course, there's a bit of a utopian workplace going on in the book, except for the the, the boss or the owner, that that personality. Mm-hmm. Let's say somebody right now is has a good job, a decent paying sales position, but they're in a toxic environment, right? They don't mm-hmm. have the friends that, that Ben had in this book. What advice could you give to them, especially if they can't just pick up and go to another job like immediately? Because that's really the goal. They need to get out of that toxic environment. Right. What can they learn while they're in it? While you're in it, remember, we're always teaching people how to treat us, including our boss, our parents, no matter how old we are. You know, we can all revert back into childhood stuff at a Thanksgiving dinner table and somebody pushes our button from childhood. We're the one, all we can control, Harrison, is our reaction. So if someone says something mean or cruel or whatever it is, we just have to not let them push that button and work on a plan to get out of that toxic environment. If so, you don't feel trapped or stuck forever. There's so many choices today with the great resignation that, you know, like in the housing market, there's usually a buyer's market or a seller's market. As an employee, there's a great demand for good employees. So this is a great time to be exploring what your options are. I love that you said that because I I know it's it's hard to say because we've had a lot of trauma the last few years. But COVID has created a ton of opportunities for people. The great resignation has happened. So look, I understand some people are struggling and some people have passed and, and, and God bless those folks. There's still opportunity, no matter how dark things get. The group we're a part of pivoted from in-person to now a global organization. Zoom has opened up a lot of different opportunities. You don't have to live in the city that you're working in. And and previous to COVID, I would say 90% plus of the workforce was stuck in that Mm -hmm. mindset. Right now, we're seeing gas prices at an all-time high. But look. It's going to force you. There, there's only two things you can do. I have to spend less or make more. <laughs> I choose to make more uh, because I don't want to change my lifestyle for this. So now I'm looking for every opportunity mm. out there. But I can tell you in 08, I built a successful real estate career and lost it all. And at that time, guess who I blamed? Oh, I right. The mortgage. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> I blamed everybody but me. Mm. But I'll tell you, the biggest lesson I learned from that now looking back was I was an order taker. I was a salesman in the sense of the used car salesman. Mm-hmm. And, and when everything crumbled, I turned around. I had no friends. I had no support system. I, I, I didn't build any relationships because it was just mm-hmm. next, next, next. And it's humbling when you lose everything. There is nothing more humbling than losing everything. Uh, but I wouldn't change it for the world because now I have more stories now I have more experience. Now I'm humble. And I fully understand now, who, I, I don't remember who said this, but your, your net worth is in your network or something to that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your exactly. network is your net worth. So and much. Our better. mess is our message too. In fact, you know, I also got laid off in 2008 when luxury advertising crashed when I was working at Condé Nast. 
And it wasn't easy. I felt like I got kicked to the gut and I realized I lost my job. But then a part of me said, wait, but you didn't lose your identity. And I actually turned that whole experience into my TEDx talk, be the lifeguard of your own life. Because unlike in a hurricane, no one's going to come rescue you if you're on the rooftop and you didn't evacuate on time. You got to figure out how to be your own lifeguard. So I think that awareness of when something's going on, you think this is going to make a great story and my mess is going to be my message. It's the pain of superpower, right? I mean, if we, if we just are authentic and open and deal with that pain and then share it over time and figure out ways to tell those stories and weave it, hmm. you're going to be successful no matter what your mm-hmm. pursuit. Yes. So I probably should ask you this at the beginning of this thing, but but what gets you out of bed in the morning? What really gets you fired up to wake up and, and, and just kick butt today? The number one thing that gets me up in the morning is that I know I can help somebody learn to be a better storyteller. And what that gift does for them is that it helps them in their career, but also their personal life. And they start realizing that they're the movie director of their own life, which allows them to get off this self-esteem roller coaster. So the, the ripple effects of teaching somebody how to be a better storyteller in business, but then the stories they're telling themselves really helps motivate me to keep going. And what, what's your position on, on downtime, on balance? Look, uh, mm. I've been an entrepreneur. I've, I've been in that 24, 7, 365 yeah. grind lifestyle forever. Now that I'm older, I'm 51 now, I understand that's not really the smartest way that we should have done it. Uh, my father and his generation was the same way. You work yourself to the bone. Mm. You sacrifice time with your family. You know, my father, his, his entire focus of being a quote-unquote man was not spending time with us. It was, I put a roof over your head and food on the table. I get it. Mine was a little bit, you know, I wanted to Mm -hmm. incorporate my kids, but I still work 365, 24 seven. And now I I actually, I did make fun of this generation for a while for this Mm, kind of peace, love, balance, you know, but I always said balance is bullshit. Pardon (laughs) my friend. But now I'm understanding it's not. So at, at your level of success, what do you do to find that balance? Do you believe in balance? And, and what advice can you give people that are stuck yes. like that hamster on the wheel? Oh, I love that. Do I believe in balance, right? Do I believe like the share song? <laughs> uh, yes, because think of it like this. If I want to give you a cookie, I need to have a bag of cookies. Yes. If I want to give out kindness, I need to be kind to myself first. If I'm beating myself up and I'm exhausted and I haven't eaten properly and I haven't taken a walk in nature and I'm just all about in my head about frustration and not things or what's not working, how can I possibly show up as the best version of myself as a one-on-one, let alone in front of an audience as a speaker? So I need to take care of me almost like an actor or an athlete does right? You have to protect your voice, your body. You need the energy, the stamina, so you can show up and do what you love, which is, in my case, helping people tell better stories. I love it. Well, you have made my life better already. And I know we just met a couple of weeks ago. I am looking at everything I'm doing, trying to improve all of those stories. And and I will tell you, I tell everybody, this is the book that really kind of defined the beginning of the change in my life. Mm-hmm. Of course, Jay Samet, Disrupt You, got me thinking at a much bigger level. And now your book has me telling better stories. So right now you're in the you're in the big three. I'm in great company. I'm very honored. Thank you, Harris. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, and this has been an honor, a privilege. And, and I know people got a lot of value out of this. Great. Up, 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 we up, up, up.
Prosperity.